Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels here, and uh, we got a great show for you this week. Our guest got to a career-high number nine in the world in 2018, made two major semifinals in 2017, and has two career singles titles, four doubles titles, including the U.S. Open with Ash Barty, competed in the Olympics, won the Fed Cup in 2017, and comes from athletic royalty, Welcome to the show, Coco Vandeway. Thanks for having me. Really excited to get the chance to talk with you, Coco. It's been uh, quite a journey. I think you'd even put it uh, put it mildly there. The first question. For you how, or for me? For, <laughs> <laughs> well, literally right now because uh, we're on a journey together here. But how's the return to tennis been? I know it's with all the injuries that you've had and the process of trying to find a, riv- a rhythm given your return to the courts, but also the current state of the pandemic and just trying to find that rhythm, getting back onto the courts. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with the rhythm. Um, it's It hasn't been easy to find rhythm with this new world that we're in. Uh, I had to have some trial and errors of how to manage the pandemic and being in the bubbles and, and what to bring, what not to bring, uh, what actually is important. And I think that's what the pandemic has done for a lot of people is just put things into perspective of what's important and what's not. Um, my injuries are their own own thing. I mean, it's it has given me a new lease on on tennis life. Um, you know, with the injuries and time away and experiencing different things, and so I I'm not thankful, but I'm also thankful at the same time for giving myself the opportunity to kind of just enjoy enjoy an injury as much as I could. I guess as as to keep my mind light about it, um, because if you get too bogged down about being injured and the progress and rehab and, and that sort of mindset, it just becomes super difficult to deal with day in and day out. It sounds like you have a different approach to kind of appreciating the journey, not getting too high or too low based on certain results and, and understanding that there's going to be setbacks along the way. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've said this in a few other interviews um, when I was top 10 in the world and winning all these matches and, and, you know, accomplishing all these goals that I had set for myself uh, with Fed Cup, making the Olympic team and, and semis of Grand Slams and all that jazz, I was probably the most miserable I've ever been. I couldn't have disliked the game of tennis and who was around me, what I was doing, who I was in general. Um, and I probably wouldn't have continued to play much longer. I didn't really want to play much in 2018. Um, and I was very fortunate that, you know, I, I took a little break after Miami. I, I went to the Bahamas and just kind of chilled. I escaped tennis and I was just getting pushed too hard. I was getting pulled in too many different directions. And I felt like there was nobody there to kind of pull me out of the, I guess, depressed state I was in. I, I felt very alone in that way. And there was plenty of people that tried. I mean, there's people asking me that, yeah. you know, oh, are you okay? All that stuff. And, you know, it's 
before you even realized that I was saying, yeah, I'm totally fine. I mean, why wouldn't I be I'm on top of the world right now? This is the best I've ever played. And in reality, I couldn't have been more further from the truth. So that getting injured um, in 20, towards the end of 2018, uh, well, actually at Wimbledon, um, so it's not too far off, kind of just, I wanted to stop after that. I wanted to take a protect ranking and say, no more, I, I'm not going to play. And unfortunately with the WT, WTA rules that were put in place at the top 10 had to follow, um, it would have, it would have financially really hurt me to take that, that break that I needed. And so I kept playing and, and uh, with some wrong advice that I, I took um, to keep playing. And I, I ended up making things worse and that ended up crippling me for almost two years. So it's, it's kind of a give and take, but if I didn't have almost those two years off, I probably wouldn't have, wouldn't be playing, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a good point. If you look at tennis history, a lot of players retire early citing that same burnout and the ones that have extended careers. And now, now the situation with the money being as good as it is, is one thing, but they tend to take breaks and need to refresh and, it, it had to be a tough position for you, a tough decision to make given what you were going through. But also, like you said, at the height of your tennis power, so to speak, getting into the top 10 had to be one of the most difficult decisions to make at that point, too. Yeah, I, it's a combination of all that. I, I, had, I, I was fortunate enough during World Team Tennis this last uh, season, um, I was sitting at the table with Kim Kleisters and, and Luke Jensen asked, you know, you know, Coco, how was it like, you know, about being you know, all those things. And, you know, he was so proud of, of what I've accomplished. Don't get me wrong. I'm super proud of what I've accomplished, but I, I expressed the same thing. I was like, I couldn't have been more miserable. And Kim reiterated the same thing. And that was why she had to retire the first time yeah. um, she retired. And um, it's actually quite in interesting to hear it from somebody else, because when I was first um, kind of going through this, I, you know, I'd never heard of this is why somebody decided to stop playing or take a break. Um, so it was, it was very, it, it almost made me feel more alone. Like I've never heard anyone do this, so I can't do it. Uh, these people that have been there and played and they all say, keep playing. So maybe I should keep playing. They'll make me feel better. And it, it just didn't. Yeah. Kim Kleisters is a great example. So, I mean, another thing to look at, you know, she took time off and won a couple of grand slams. So maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's in my horizon. <laughs> you brought up world team tennis. I mean, I think it's no stranger. You, you love playing there. You love team competitions. I don't think you can really say that about a lot of tennis players. You love playing on the fed cup. The results speak there and world team tennis, you're, you're in it to win it, not just in it for the appearance. What is it about that format that you love so much? Well, I grew up playing team sports. So tennis was the last sport I ever played. I, I grew up playing basketball. I grew up playing soccer, I, volleyball. I mean, any sport I could play, I was playing it because if I wasn't outside playing a sport, I had to do homework. So I didn't want to do that. Obviously. And obviously. <laughs> so I, I really relish the moments of, of having camaraderie and having people, you know, uh, care about the same things that you care about, which in Fed Cup, you know, all the girls that I've played with, care so much about representing their country and that's kind of what I care about that's how I was raised my mom was a two-time Olympian so playing for your country is the biggest honor you could ever have so that's why I've you know taken time for my schedule to and as packed as the schedule is in tennis it's not easy to do and play for my country for 
pretty much two years straight. Every single time I was asked, I said yes, regardless if I was tired, hurt, not not wanting to get on a plane and go to Australia in the middle of the year. You know, like it's just it's it's something that's important and should be valued. Yeah, 2017, it wasn't exactly a uh, an R and R trip going to Belarus just in December <laughs> or whatever it was. Belarus <laughs> is actually a pretty cool city. I'm not okay. gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. Well, I mean, we got we got definitely uh, red carpet treatment, yeah. but it was it was pretty cool. I, I would I would definitely recommend if you want to go to like some old Soviet country, mm. Belarus is pretty cool. Yeah, pretty okay. I'll I'll keep that in mind when I'm ranking <laughs> it, my old Soviet countries. Yeah. <laughs> Um, from the outside, it looks this way, and I wanted your opinion on this, that your group of USA girls that were coming up, you guys seem really close, closer than other generations. Just that the fact that it's Madison Keys, Shelby Rogers, some of your friends up, and I think some of the girls that came after you, there seems to be a camaraderie factor that I don't think you always see with some of the other players from different countries that are in the same era. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I mean, definitely when I first uh, started playing, it it didn't feel like that when I got onto the tour, like who was on tour and, and who was playing. Um, I, I definitely didn't feel welcomed. Um, I definitely felt fish out of water. Um, so when I got into top hundred and the newer girls were coming in and I was, I made it a point to be like, you know, it's, it's nice for someone to tell you like, Hey, the restaurant's that way. You're going the wrong way. You know, just something stupid like that or, you know, help someone out with a practice court because I can get a prime time or a good court or whatever it may be. Um, so that that's definitely something I look to do. But I think, I mean, Shelby and I especially, we've become super close. Bethany as well is, it's honestly from the Fed Cup trips, mm -hmm. a lot of it. Like Bethany and I weren't as close until Fed Cup started happening. Shelby and I have always been close because we kind of went through the Challenger Tour together. We went through these weirdo places i mean it was and we have funny stories that we can relate to so it's it's really interesting yeah that's that's a good point you kind of just went through the minors together and, and had those awkward experiences together and maybe some of the players that have the red carpet rolled out to them and have more hype coming in they don't get to feel that camaraderie uh no that's <laughs> it's very it's a very interesting thing to kind of balance and you know, I know you mentioned not feeling, you know, like you love tennis when you were achieving all those highs. Was that the flip side of that 2014 maybe when you actually broke through and proved that you belong? Was there some validation there that you realized, okay, I'm in the top 100, I can compete with the best players? Was that more validation for you? It was It was definitely validated. I felt, I felt like I had earned it. I'd fallen out of the top 100 once before and kind of clawed my way back. I was taking accountability of of just being a professional. Um, I think being a professional is, is in a, a game in, in itself and you got to learn what works for you. And, and, you know, people can tell you, this is how you be a professional and you should do it this way. But it's actually when you take accountability for yourself of um, showing up and putting in the work for practices for a certain amount of hours and, and going to the gym and you know what the, the feeling that I had most, most importantly was I put all these people around me. So this is on me to actually accomplish this, accomplish a win, accomplish top hundred, win my first title, all those things. And I earned everything because yeah. I put everything together. I had put the hard work in and, and had learned how to be a professional. 
Do you think other tennis players kind of think like you? I mean, have this like, no. yeah, okay. No chance. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to, that would have been my guess, but I wanted to hear you say it. With, with, with the royalty that you were naming off, I mean, I've had so many people around and, and have had genius minds to pick as far as like, it goes from people that have accomplished great things and, and I'm so spoiled in that way. And it almost was like a detriment because I had so many voices I could ask. I mean, you know, just not only within my own family, but, you know, the friends of, of my family that would show up for dinner and stuff like that. The amount of times Bill Walton just like cruised into my house was like <laughs> every week. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, wow. it's, it sounds like super crazy to say like that's normal, but it was normal. It was normal to hear, you know, Bill Walton talk about John Wooden and my grandfather compare stories because, you know, he was always around and all that stuff. And it's definitely put a different perspective, but I also had to learn on my own. And and that took me a lot longer than I thought it would, honestly. <laughs> and I think everyone can say it like, oh yeah, at 18, I thought I was mature and knew everything, but turned <laughs> well, out I really yeah. didn't. <laughs> Nobody does. Uh, Coco Vandeway here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Um, is there, I mean, that's just a good follow-up I have. Is there like a, like a pecking order? Do you, do you, does the Vandeway family have like an athletic ranking? Like, do you think you're the best athlete in the family? No, it all goes by, it depends who you ask. Okay. <laughs> I think that's, that's, <laughs> like if, if there was a me, I'm going to say I'm number one. If you ask my mom, she's going to probably right. say she's number one. Well, okay. It all depends yeah. who you ask. I feel like confidence has been a key for, for all of you. And, uh, you know, on, on the court, you're, Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Not afraid to be confrontational. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a unique thing to tennis. And, you know, you hit on it that it comes from playing other sports and being, you know, brought up around other hyper-competitive athletes. Do you find that that's also a unique trait, that tennis players are necessar- aren't necessarily as confrontational and, and willing to be assertive as you are? Yeah, I was I was raised to kind of be that way of, of speak your mind, speak your truth, and and go after what you want and everyone goes about it a different way and I've I've been you know on the wrong side of the coin of that and looked pretty dumb and I've been on the right side of the coin and I'm open to trying new things I mean ESPN approached me and said do you want to do an interview in between sets at the U.S. Open I was like shoot sport needs to move forward of course yeah If, if I have to be a guinea pig it doesn't bother me and they gave me complete freedom to be like you know you can wave us off at any point and and say no I don't feel like doing this anymore but luckily I had a set under my belt so I was I was feeling good about myself um you know and people called me crazy for doing it but it's it's important to to be able to kind of toe the line and toe the line and maybe you step wrong maybe you step right I mean it's it's how it's how you learn and it's how you develop as a as a person I think and and I, I mean, I, I get chippy and because I, you know, tennis isn't a contact sport. So I get, I have to get chippy in a different way. I was yeah. definitely, a, I, I mean, I was, I was named a, the, um, an all-star defender for a reason. I mean, I, I have to, I have to show my might in one way or another. 
Yeah, I think there's consistency there. You're, you're, you're chippy, as you put it, whether it's a small tournament or whether, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, you know, you're playing Wimbledon against someone like Maria Sharapova and you're just consistent, like, this is a fight and yeah, you're trying I mean, to win. That that match especially, I mean, being an unknown player compared to Maria and, and I felt like she was being shady. I, felt, <laughs> I mean, I felt like she was moving and trying to be distracted and use gamesmanship and... You know, you see it with a lot of other people when they complain about um, someone taking too much time or having too much leeway just because they're a name. And I was like, I'm not about to have this is my time. Like, I, I'm feeling good if I'm not having this little moment distract me here. So I'm going to make everyone aware that this is what's happening. So that's that's all I was trying to do. Do you feel like you're having to toe the line at times with your emotions because we've seen it both work both ways, not just for you, for other players, when it can be such a powerful thing and cause you to take control of a match. Or on the flip side, there's that self-destruction side. Do you feel like you're having to balance that in the middle of a match? Yeah, every day. Um, it, and it goes. I mean, when you're winning, it's easier to manage your emotions more so than when you're losing and to channel them into the right way, into the right avenue. Um you know, I, I love to get the crowd involved. I, you see it a lot in world team tennis, you know, getting them to cheer and, or fed cup, but, you know, put the pressure cause that's what you see in other sports. I mean, you know, someone, someone feeling like, you know, when they, they threw a big dunk down on somebody, the home home crowd is making you hear it. And that's, that's what I like to hear because it makes it makes the, my opponent feel the pressure. It makes me feel more relaxed and, and it's it's enjoyable, I think, for me as a player, at least. What was uh, the 2018 U.S. Open doubles run? You got to play with Ash Barty before pretty much everybody else knew just how special she was. You probably were on the ground floor for that. I'm just trying to figure out if anybody in the world has anything bad to say about her. So I don't think it's going to be you, but. <laughs> well, I mean, I could pick something. I could, I could yeah. say she she's the first one that tapped out at, on our celebration party, so that's oh. that's my bad thing about her. But other other than that, I mean, she's she's a great girl. Um, you know, when we first started playing at the time, I was I was a higher ranked player, and and we only played like seven tournaments together. We didn't play all that much because either she was sick or I was injured, so we we never really got to play. But we still made year end championships, won a Grand Slam. But I teased her that I gave when she was uh, won the French. I teased her that I gave her a start because you know you got to learn how to win a Grand Slam. So you know it was it was me that helped her get that Grand Slam, that first one under her belt. So don't forget the little people. <laughs> you pushed her on her way. You gave her that nudge she needed, and uh, yeah, I mean history <laughs> should thank you, Australia especially. <laughs> um, I hope they hear the sarcasm in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I, uh, I I think that, you know, anytime there's a player, Coco, that has to deal with an injury and, you know, has to decide whether or not they're invested in coming back, it's not an easy process. Fans might just think, oh, they're injured, they'll come back. Did you wrestle with that decision and think about when not just the ankle injury, but you had the nervous system issue? Did you think about seriously walking away? I didn't think I was going to walk again. I, it was that serious. I mean, it um, with CRPS, which is the nerve sensitivity issue that I, that I had and will always have for the rest of my life. Um, you know, some people never, um, it never goes away. And at some point after two months of being in immense pain, you feel like that's never going to end. And, you know, relearning how to walk, relearning how to jog and run, and then relearning how to play tennis and cut and move. 
Uh, I mean, there was definitely that thought of, can I ever do this again? And that was a, a more of an ego check for me when I actually started to play. I, when I was injured, I was top 10 in the world. And I thought I, and I had done all these things like you, you have mentioned, and I thought I had deserved the help at that point from, you know, whether it be wild cards or, or just, you know, some sort of, I don't know. I felt like I, I, I needed freebies. You like felt I, like you were owed something. I, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it was my ego just kind of being like, this is, I can't believe I've done this, done so many things for all these people, you know, winning the Fed cut up for the USTA and I can't get a wild card here. Are you kidding? Like those ideas were going through my head or, you know, WTA, um, being around them and not getting treated like I was top 10 again. I was like, what is happening? You know, that's, and it's, it's, it was so egotistical that it kind of drove me to be like, this isn't fun. Like people were treating me way different when I was top 10. And now I'm like bottom of the barrel. This kind of sucks. I don't, and then I was taking some losses and getting more and more bummed out when, you know, like Indian Wells didn't, didn't snag a wild card there. I tried to earn it. And I, and I lost uh, one match short and I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll sneak a wild card. And then I didn't get it. And I was like, you mean I got to go play qualies of Indian Wells? I was like, uh, I've made like inroads here. Mm-hmm. And then I was now thinking back on it. I was like, geez, you need to really check yourself. Like qualies ain't so bad. You got to earn your way back. And, and it was it was kind of eye opening. I mean, after Indian Wells, that was the pandemic kidding. Yeah. So the pandemic allowed me to kind of just open my eyes to just like, you're not the same person you once, you know, were or tennis player, I guess. And, you know, you got to earn, earn your stripes again. So is it safe to say that, you know, that 20, this recent run in Birmingham, where you go through the gauntlet, get to a semi, not the U S open, not the Australian open, but it kind of seems like it meant more to you to just have to earn it and, get to that point and actually enjoy playing tennis again and see some results. Yeah. I mean, it's been a while since I had to play qualies. I, you know, there's little things that people don't see that, you know, you have to do to get through qualifying and kind of, uh, you know, just even something so silly as like, Oh yeah, I got to sign in on Friday at before 5 PM. Like I forgot I have to do this. And it's, it was so satisfying to be able to do it because I hadn't, put a lot of matches back to back. Um, I'd had some spurts and some kicks here and there. And, and I was happy to the players I, I had beaten and the fashion that I was doing it in felt so good that it was definitely really validating for kind of like all the bumps in the road that I had hit. Coco Vandeway on tennis channel inside in a couple more things before we wrap this up. I think your new lease on tennis is seems like you're rejuvenated and it's hard to predict what's on the horizon given the current climate that we are, but just getting the chance to get back onto the court and put together some results has to be pushing you towards, you know, your goals and, and whatever they may be. I know you have that mythical birthday coming up, but there's still a lot of tennis <laughs> left. It sounds like. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I mean, uh, you see it in all these players. Everyone's playing until an older age. And you know what? I have almost three years of of life that I didn't play. So I got I got time. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. I when I when I fall out of love with tennis again, I'll let you know, and I'll, you'll you'll see me wave goodbye. <laughs> I, I told a few of my friends. I I told Shelby and Bethany and stuff like that. I was like, you know, when I finally do retire. I want all these like refs and WTA people and all these people that I've harassed and like yeah. complained to and like given a hard time. I want to do like a roast, you know, like on Comedy Central, like a roast. And I want them to absolutely roast me players. Anyone oh. can join. Like that's what I want for a retirement party. Just and want I think to that's burn it all down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that would be a, that would be a refreshing one. Uh, I don't think anyone would see that coming if you just said, all right, now everybody, you, you play your last match, you lose, or you win a title. And it's like, all right, now everybody's coming out to roaster. I think that'd be, yeah, be just unique. do it. I would love it. And it's so well-deserved. Did you, did you, uh, you know, getting back to play, I know it's something that everybody's dealing with, but fans coming back, that was another thing that was taken for granted. So I think going forward, playing in front of the fans, you as somebody that embraces the crowd that has to be at the top of your list on what you're missing and what you can't wait to experience again. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, it's, it was so hard playing with no fans. Uh, it was, it was like a glorified practice match. And uh, I definitely think sport is for fans and I love playing in front of them. And I, I hope they never go away again. Cause that was really miserable for me. Coco Vandaway, pleasure uh, chatting with you, taking time to uh, come on Tennis Channel Inside and best of luck on the comeback going forward and uh, proving that you can also multitask too as we're, uh, as we're seeing on the video. But no, best of luck. And uh, it's great to know that there's somebody that thinks a little differently on the sport and uh, you know has that flair and has that passion for the fans as well. No, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Huge thanks again to Coco Vandaway for appearing on this week's episode of Tennis Channel Inside In as she continues her comeback and wish her nothing but the best as she keeps it going. Very, very fun chat with Coco Vandaway. You can catch every episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Podcast Network. Just go to tennis.com slash podcast. And we'll be back next week as the summer hard court season ramps up. And we have a lot more tennis in store for you on the Tennis Podcast Network. This was Mitch Michaels. Tennis Channel Inside In. We'll see you next week.